0: Hello and welcome to 80s movie montage day 537 of the global quarantine and we're here to talk about real genius. I'm Derek Danke,
1: <laughs> and I'm Anna Kaiser.
0: Don't know why I added my last name this time, but there it is.
1: Hi, everybody. Hope you're all doing well and staying safe and healthy and sane out there.
0: And today, like I said, and like you already knew since you clicked the uh, the link, we're talking about Real Genius, starring Val Kilmer mm-hmm. and and many others, but
1: primarily Val Kilmer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I well, okay, it's not totally true that I didn't recognize anybody else in the movie, but there's like one other person I recognize in the movie, and that's that's kind of a first with the films that we've covered.
0: Yeah, this this is a movie that I have seen probably from well, what I now is maybe. No 20 minutes in from the actual start of it and i had never actually seen the beginning so it was kind of it was kind of nuts seeing it and, and i remember you looked at me and said what is this even about i'm like i don't think i know anymore uh but in any case yeah real genius 1985
1: this, val kilmer val kilmer so uh this was derek's pick
0: This was my fault.
1: And no, 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 not saying that at all. But uh, I, much like Bloodsport, this was the first time that I had, well, okay, I had seen like kind of bits and pieces of this film, but truly bits and pieces. So again, I came into this not knowing at all what this film was about.
0: Yeah, no, it's um, it's kind of wacky. It's kind of hard to wrap your head around what it's even about, and uh, the trailer, which we will feature as a clip a little bit later in the podcast, will give you an even better sense of just how bonkers the the premise of the movie is. I
1: feel like we use that word a lot. Bonkers? Bonkers. Yeah, yeah
0: I, I have been using it a lot. I apologize. No, no. <laughs> I will I will need to come up with some more descriptive terms for some of the wacky stuff that happened in the 80s.
1: But it, this was a great... I, I'm really glad that we saw this film because I learned a lot about it because you know that I like to kind of do my little bit of research on the people who are behind the scenes. And it's actually for a film that I... am We'll get into this later. I'm not so sure if this is going to be on my rotation in the future. But there are some pretty impressive people that are attached to this film.
0: It is more heavily based in reality than you could possibly have imagined. Which is crazy! Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was shocked. So, yeah. So, let's let's kind of go through that a little bit. So, uh, like I said, I like to talk about the people behind the scenes. So, usually... I'll say this much when you see more than two writers credited on a film yeah typically that doesn't bode well for a film uh we have three writers credited and and actually not to kind of go down this rabbit hole but the number of credited writers does not equal to the number of writers that worked on a script
0: they probably needed two of those writers just to write all the dialogue for the character jordan
1: yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll get into that. But um, but of the individuals who are credited, they, again, have done a lot in their careers. Uh, the first one credited is Neil Israel. And what I've noticed is that he is a writer, but also he kind of transitioned later in life, and he's done a ton of TV directing. So he kind of shift gears. But among okay. his other, yeah, so kind of interesting. We've seen that a couple times now. Among his writing credits, Besides Real Genius, we have Police Academy.
0: Wow. That's those those it's like stayed on brand.
1: Yeah, and because of now, I don't know to what degree he was involved with the all the many sequels to Police Academy, but he is credited on them because he essentially came up with the characters came and that up sort of the, okay. thing. Yeah. So um so he has his influence on that film series. The
0: Police Bat- Academy universe, if you will.
1: Yeah, exactly. Bachelor Party. Again, right. on brand. Yeah, and then not look who's talking, but look who's talking to
0: God damn it.
1: T O O. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah.
0: Otherwise, it would be an incomplete sentence. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Who are they talking to? I don't know.
1: So, so that's one of the writers. Uh, the next writer, Pat Proft. Uh huh. So what's interesting here? You'll see what I mean in a second. Um, this is, I think, the first time we've come upon a uh, writing pair so there are tons of writers out there who work on their own but then there are some writers who are like a partnership mm-hmm. and so this seems to be the case here i mean prior to real genius they worked on the carol burnett show this is this is okay. my favorite my favorite i think call out this writer worked on or was the writer behind the star wars holiday special oh god
0: that's amazing
1: right that
0: that's, uh, yeah, that's a connection I had not anticipated. Isn't that
1: awesome? Because
0: I thought they had, like, literally removed all reference to the Star Wars holiday special. It doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, you can find real, like, greasy copies of it on YouTube, where it's just, you can hardly tell Isn't what's that happening. That's
1: so cool, though? I thought that was really cool.
0: Even in the highest resolution, you can't tell what's going on.
1: And the reason why I bring up the partnership is because then we have credits for Police Academy as well, mm-hmm. and Bachelor Party. Okay. But... As in the, again, very much in the same wheelhouse. The Naked Gun, Hot he Shots
0: was a prolific comedy writer.
1: Very much so. Hot Shots part two.
0: Yeah, they were both pretty good.
1: And then, not scary movie. Not Scary Movie 2, mm-hmm. but Scary Movie 3, 4, and 5. I
0: mean, you want to make sure that the franchise is established before you sign on, right? But
1: I'm pretty impressed by all that. And again, very much found their niche in all yeah. this. Um, the last writer that is credited, I'm going to probably destroy this name, PJ
0: v How is it? What?
1: T-O-R-O-K-V-E-I. My apologies.
0: Let's just call him PJT. Sure.
1: Uh, so not as prolific, but still some street cred. Uh, they were a writer on, do you remember, not maybe like at the time that it was actually airing, but WKRP in Cincinnati?
0: Oh yeah. I remember uh, as a yeah. kid
1: seeing reruns of that and hating that shit. It was it, just like not for kids. It
0: was not for kids. Yeah. Uh, the song, the theme song was, was kind of amazing, which I'm not going to attempt to sing, yeah, but agree. Hey, check it out. I maybe I remember
1: that. Um, so we'll probably bring this person up again because one of uh, their other credits is back to school.
0: Yeah. I, I did feel like there was some connection. Like I saw I felt like there was some a spiritual similarities. Connection. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, well, and in kind of the worst way, because as I was watching this thinking, wow, if I made a huge mistake, I don't know if I like this movie the way that I thought it was hilarious but, when I was younger. But that's
1: fine. But
0: then I was thinking, oh, it also kind of reminds me of Back to School, and I know that that's on our list, too. Yeah, so, yeah, that's
1: coming down the... Well, essentially, at some point, every 80s movie is coming down the pipeline. Yeah. But um, And lastly, all these writers, it's so interesting because they have these really interesting sequel credits to their name. In this particular case, Caddyshack 2.
0: Oh, no. So that, there we go. That... That Caddyshack sequel... Is um, It's something I'd like to forget ever happened. Never,
1: never saw it. Yeah. Kind of how I feel about Back to the Future 2, huh? Uh,
0: mm, Back to the Future 2 I'm is probably going to get
1: hate mail for that, but... it
0: Like, the first half of that is pretty rough, but if you're able to power through it, I feel like it, it is kind of fun with, like, the multiple timelines. Anyways... I
1: take offense to the term power through it, because I don't think you should have to power through a film to, like, appreciate it. Anyway, totally off topic. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well, Back to real genius. Back to real genius. So those are the writers on this film. Okay, so this is what I'm really stoked to talk about here.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: the person who directed this film. Now, as with like a lot of different... As with a lot of different kind of behind-the-scenes individuals that are attached to different films, it's, it's typically male. Okay. That's getting better.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but at the time, so this is 1985, mm-hmm. still highly unusual for a female director to be involved in a project but here we have one yeah Martha Coolidge that's very cool she is probably one of the most successful female directors that we've had uh I mean she's for sure the first female director that we've mentioned for the podcast Mm -hmm. and just in general ever since then she's she's gone on to do other films I love Valley Girl that's one of her other films that's where I kind of kind of first came across her. Um, she did Rambling Rose. She did Out to Sea. She's also done a ton of television. She
0: has done a ton of stuff.
1: Yeah, a t- ton of stuff um, amongst so- just some of and her TV credits. she's still
0: doing it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: No, she's still totally out there and working, so it's awesome. Uh, Sex in the City, and then she did quite a bit of uh, CSI for a while. So... So awesome. I love that so much. Martha Coolidge. And there's actually a little connection to Valley Girl that we'll talk about in a minute here.
0: Yeah. Do you think those uh, connections are coincidences or do you think oh, it's... no,
1: I think it's completely deliberate. Are you sure? Why are you about I don't to know. prove me no.
0: wrong? Or... <laughs> no. Your response was so instantaneous. I'm like, really?
1: I think in this particular case, it's very much... A deliberate choice that was made.
0: It's too much of a coincidence to deny that it was not a coincidence. Exactly. Got yeah. it. Yeah.
1: So I don't. I don't usually do this. I don't usually bring up the producers on a film because it's just not. Yeah. The hell much. with them. Yeah. Exactly. They're only the people who kind of. Anyway. Um, Brian Grazer. Yeah. So saw that name and felt like it was worth bringing him up because he is. Just as Martha Coolidge is one of the most successful female directors out there, I would put some money down in saying that he is one of the most successful film producers. Okay. Um, And actually, he's done quite a bit of TV, too, in the last several years.
0: Well, I think he worked on the spiritual successor to Real Genius, which uh, featured Russell Crowe and was titled A Beautiful Mind. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. No, so, okay, I'm glad you brought that up, because Brian Grazer, producer what you might know him from is that he is the producing partner of ron howard Mm. so a year after that
0: makes sense when i'm looking through his credits it makes a lot of sense yeah so
1: a year after this film came out in 1986 he and ron howard started imagine entertainment and so that's the producing or the production company that they've worked under for now what like 30-ish years yeah um prior to them officially starting imagine entertainment they had already worked together in I believe 84 is on when splash. splash yeah, yeah. When splash came out ron howard was the director on that so i mean this guy I, I it would just we could do a whole show on him he has currently 186 producing credits on imdb
0: that's not bad
1: yeah no he's he's legit so we mentioned splash spies like us parenthood backdraft my girl far and away boomerang
0: is spies like us on our list
1: not at the moment. Well, but guess
0: what? Guess it just what? got put on the list.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, that movie's amazing. Yeah, no, it's good. Boomerang. Yeah. Apollo 13. Okay. Ed TV. I made a point of mentioning Ed TV because I love that film.
0: Is that the one with uh, All Right, All Right? Yeah. Okay. And yeah. then uh, Arrested Development?
1: Yes, yes, yes. Um, And then, yeah, I just was listing a lot of his film credits. Um, You mentioned A Beautiful Mind. I also love the movie Blue Crush. It's one of my favorites.
0: Yeah, it's, um, yeah.
1: Eight Mile and then Frost Nixon. So he has a huge wheelhouse. He does everything from broad comedy to very serious, dramatic work. So it's impressive. He is also the producer on World Genius. Nice. So, okay, now we're getting into, like, the people who are in this film. You've mentioned Mr. Val Kilmer.
0: He he is definitely a star of this movie. He's he's the driving force of the movie.
1: He is for sure the driving force of this movie. And what I didn't realize before watching the film is that even though that statement is true, I don't think he, it was ever originally intended for him to... Like, he's, he's not the main character in this film.
0: Well, it's interesting that you say that because he's not.
1: He kind of becomes that towards the end of the film. Yeah. And that's like, we'll talk about that when we get into the story, but it's a really weird shift. Yeah. Because they go from one character being the main character and following his story and his journey. Guess what? He's not
0: really the main character. Yeah.
1: And then <laughs> halfway through the movie, we shift over to Chris Knight. So it's a really weird.
0: Chris Knight, of course, is the uh, character played by Val
1: Yeah. So that was a bit of a head scratcher.
0: Yeah, and so for me, the only two actors that really stand out to me are Val Kilmer, who is not really the star of the movie, but is probably the star of the movie, and then uh, their professor, their Mm -hmm. their evil professor. Wow, what is...
1: William Atherton.
0: Yes, William Atherton, who kind of plays... The same character. He's
1: great at it. But
0: he's kind of like swarmy, and he's going to make things go bad for you. You're probably going to get back at him. It's going to be a whole thing. But he's he's like that same kind of like.
1: And, and to kind of give context to what you're saying, so Ghostbusters. Yeah, yes. This man has no dick. The EPA Walter Peck, which yep. I still find it amazing that they man- managed to make the EPA the villain in that movie.
0: <laughs> Different times. <laughs> Different yeah, times. Yeah.
1: So. Yeah, this man has no dick. That's, he's that's the, who we're um, talking about—the
0: field reporter or the <clears throat> newscaster from Die Hard, Thornburg. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, and and look, he's he's been working ever since. He has a long list of credits. Yeah, but that's probably where most people know him from. Yeah, he he just yeah he really is great at that role. That swarmy, you just want to punch him. He's well cast. Really well cast. He does a great (laughs) job. So so yes, those are literally the only two people I recognized in this film.
0: And then another person that you brought up is um is 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 his name Laszlo?
1: Yeah. Oh yes, yes, yes. The guy in the closet. So
0: there's a there's a student. We'll get to him later. But this guy lives in a steam room by way of accessing a secret passage through a closet in their dorm room. All
1: makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Right. completely completely legit he's
0: uncle rico from napoleon dynamite yeah watch me throw this football over those mountains and uncle rico actually
1: the when i like finally was like oh yeah that's who that guy is i actually know him a little bit better it's not as big of a role but i know him from get shorty okay he's like one of the two i don't know if he's necessarily hitman he's just kind of like a muscle guy like he's there to kind of you know, influence people into doing what they want, which is give them money mostly. But he's really great in that, too. Small role, but great, great role.
0: And he has a few recurring roles in the amazing CW show entitled Supernatural.
1: That would be all you. Yeah. Big yep. fan of
0: that show. Anyways, let's let's Derek's move on. Big, big,
1: <laughs> big fan of that show. And yeah, again, he's been working ever since. He also was for a while. I don't, I, again, never really watched the show, but Beverly Hills 90210, he was on for a while, I guess. The original? Yes, Okay. the original. He, for a short stint, had a recording role on Lost.
0: Hmm, okay. I probably would remember him if I saw him, because okay. I did watch that.
1: And then what's interesting about what you said about Napoleon Dynamite is I never watched the TV series version, but he...
0: He reprised the, that yeah, role? Yeah, he
1: reprised that role. Wow. So, yeah, very interesting. So, okay, so I'm completely lying about, like, not really recognizing more than two people.
0: But not by much, because it's really just those three.
1: Well, and then also Deborah Foreman, who... Son of a gun! I know. So, for the people who don't know, earlier I mentioned Valley Girl. She is the female lead alongside Nicolas Cage. I think at the time, was he uh, Bill Nicolas Coppola? He might He might have been.
0: I, I've never seen Valley Girl.
1: Oh, well, that's coming. We we own that film. Yeah, I'm so, gonna. Yeah, we're gonna. So, she has a very small role, but... Uh, yeah, because Martha Coolidge also directed Valley Girl, I feel like that was very much a kind of friendship, sure, I'm going to give you this role type yeah. of thing. Yeah. So, so okay, so we have four people in total who, who are recognizable. That's but it. That, that's it. But that doesn't mean that there aren't other people in the film who, I mean, actually, some of the people in the film have pretty big roles, and I can't say I really recognize them or have been familiar with their work since. Yeah, One of them is the kid, he's 15 years old, Mitch Taylor in mm-hmm. the film, who ostensibly is the main character of the film up until about halfway through.
0: We're all led to believe that he's the main character. Turns yes. out that's that's up for debate.
1: I'm kind of wondering. I feel like this is probably just conspiracy theory talk. Oh, but I wonder if like so. Typically, films are not are not uh, shot in chronological order mm-hmm. because it's just usually more logistically. That way. Yeah, yeah, logistically it doesn't work. I don't know if this film was or not, but I feel like sometimes you know, you kind of see who's popping and who's not. I wonder if they were like, oh, this is, like, Val Kilmer's, like, way better than this other kid. I'm, I'm throwing so much shade right
0: now. I mean, well, I feel like maybe that kid who played Mitch just really excelled at the character he was playing because I feel like that character was not supposed to pop. He was supposed to be just kind of like this, like, kid thrust into these insane circumstances, whereas Val Kilmer was like this it's eccentric mm-hmm. like just kind of like look he was a real genius but he was also just kind of crazy so
1: what did they say in the trailer like his iq is higher than
0: then you can count then you can count yeah <laughs> i don't know but what that's, is
1: that's pretty impressive
0: what is this movie even about i'm not sure if i can describe it i have an idea
1: play the trailer let's
0: play the trailer yeah and then we'll get a sense of what this is about, and we'll get a few introductions to some of the characters. So, okay, great. here we go. Any problems done? Just as long as we have a working weapon by the end of
1: June. I haven't had a working weapon since Korea. When the military runs short on brains, they go hunting at Pacific Tech, an exclusive institution for outstanding intellects, where the superstar of smarts is Chris Knight. You have a jacuzzi? Absolutely. His hobbies violate the laws of gravity.
0: What are you doing out there? Floating, sir.
1: His homework could win a Nobel Prize. He's one of the ten finest minds in the country. And his IQ is higher than most people can count. I can't stand
0: it. Have you ever seen a body like this before in your life? She happens to be my daughter. Well, then I guess you have. But when Chris makes the
1: scientific discovery of the century, You did it? His classmates want the credit. You're not number one around here anymore. Two. His professor wants the publicity. I. Uh, and the military wants to use his discovery as the ultimate weapon. This is not good. So Chris is about to turn getting even into a science. could never try to outsmart a real
0: genius. Okay, so that was the trailer for Real Genius. Anna, your thoughts?
1: (laughs) Actually, it just reminded me that I lied once again. There is a fifth cast member that I recognize. Okay. And actually, I really want to give him a shout out because this guy, even though he wasn't my favorite character by any means in this film, he played Janie's dad. Oh, yeah. And girls just want to have fun. And I adore that film also coming down the pipeline. So his name is Ed Lauder. Lauder? L-A-U-T-E-R. I have a hard time saying names, and I just don't feel badly. Anyway, he has since passed, but he had a prolific career. He Yeah,
0: he's been in a ton of stuff. Okay. Ton, yeah. yeah,
1: a ton of stuff. He was in the 76 version of King Kong. Yeah. He was in Cujo, which yep. is a terrifying film. Like I said, girls just want to have fun.
0: Even more terrifying book.
1: Yeah, yes, you would know that since they you're did, Stephen King fan. They did
0: not end the same way.
1: Uh, I feel like the movie version came out a little bit happier. I Am think I right? it did. Yeah. It's been a
0: while since I've either watched or read that story, but I feel like yeah, there was some differences. That was
1: yeah. totally one of those films where I saw it way too young and was traumatized by it. <laughs> anyway,
0: Young Blood? Oh, that's that's what I was primarily remembering him from because at one point for my work, I actually had to review director's commentary for Young Blood and there was a right. lot of conversation between the director uh, and some other people about casting him in that role and his presence in that movie. I hope so they spoke
1: well of him. Oh, yeah.
0: No, he was okay, great. great. He's great. Okay, yeah. good.
1: Good. Glad to hear that. Do you remember Gleaming the Cube?
0: Oh, yeah. With, with Christian, Christian Slater? Slater? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, he also had roles in Born on the Fourth of July, School Ties, Not Another Teen Movie. Yeah. He was on ER for a while, I guess. So he did some TV. The Long Yard, The Artist, and Shameless. So he, he passed recently, but was working up until... Till he did. So. I think I can
0: say with confidence that by the time this podcast is over, we are going to accept that we've recognized everyone in the movie <laughs>
1: complete, and that they're all complete great. Complete one eighty on what we said. Yeah,
0: we just take it one at a time. So
1: sorry, I, I apologize for kind of diverting. To get back to your original question about that, the trailer, that
0: trailer was—it uh, was something.
1: Yeah, um, I mean. Kind of like what we were saying. I know I'm, I'm kind of at a loss Speechless. for words. A loss for words on a podcast is not good. I understand in retrospect why they kind of reframed the film. Yeah, to have it focus on Val Kilmer, and again, I don't know when these choices were made because obviously this was a trailer that came out in real time. So this is this isn't like a trailer that came out for a thirty year you know, retro revisiting of the film. This no,
0: out. no. What's interesting is that you have to kind of dig a little to find that trailer because if you're looking up the movie on Amazon or anywhere mm-hmm. else and you try to see a trailer or a preview, it's really just like the first few minutes of the film that they give as a preview mm-hmm. and they package it as a trailer. Mm-hmm. But this is like the actual theatrical trailer yeah. for the movie, which, which gives... One, the impression that this story is all about Val mm-hmm, Kilmer mm-hmm. and this discovery that he has.
1: And yeah, if I walked into the theater and seen this film, oh, that's something that we didn't talk about. I mean, kind, kind of we did. So I don't have any original thoughts of this film because I had never really <laughs> <laughs> never really seen it before. You, you did already kind of mention how how you felt about it all. So if I had walked into a theater having seen that trailer... I'd honestly be like, I'd be confused and also a little pissed because it's, it only becomes Val Kilmer's story in the second half of the film. And yeah. the whole first half is really just about Mitch Taylor acclimating to being this very young prodigy who, you know, is going into college, At doesn't Pacific fit Tech. in. I mean, it's completely classic trope of like this young kid who just doesn't fit in. Yeah. And
0: I mean, the, the trailer starts off um honestly enough it, the movie itself does begin with this uh sinister meeting of i i don't know like just just your general random 80s army people military dudes
1: yeah very talking about stereotyped
0: yeah and, and actually it opens up with what appears to be a space scene mm-hmm. the spaceship uh Lining up a laser where I don't know, some drug lord, maybe, or other kind of nefarious criminal is blasted from his chair while his uh assistant is about to give him a drink. Mm -hmm. He turns around and just sees like the guy's wicker chair had been blown to dust. Yeah, it was amazing. It was an amazing opening. I've never actually seen that opening because, like I said, I've always like tuned in when it was like a little ways into the movie.
1: We don't usually do this with just like an opening that isn't coming out of like a montage but and look i i i do understand how difficult you're like laughing before you even get this out i i do understand how difficult it is to get any movie produced it is so hard and so much work goes into it so i i hate to be like the debbie downer and all this but it is a bad opening it does not i i don't i think it (laughs) it it kind of sets up what the film is going to be about, but it's it's actually really confusing because you just go from like you said this like military esque meeting.
0: Well, it, it starts it starts with the guy getting blasted out of his chair, and you're like, what is happening? Yeah, and then it turns out that was actually just a concept, a presentation uh, to show the material, military what they think they can accomplish with mm-hmm. a laser and targeting system. It's it's basically what they were going to do in. Um, Winter Soldier, Captain Mm. America Winter Soldier. Mm -hmm. Let's have something floating around the earth that can just take out our enemies. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's basically the same movie in every other way as well.
1: And then we completely shift where we just kind of go away from that for quite a while and now it just becomes about Mitch. Well, yeah,
0: we were introduced to some of these army guys There is one fellow in particular that we see who's kind of like the liaison with Professor, what's his name, Hathaway? Why am I saying Hathaway? Let's see.
1: What is his name? I am buying time. Yep, Hathaway.
0: Okay. So he's on the board with these military guys. He sees someone who objects and thinks that this is uh, kind of the wrong direction to go into. Mm -hmm. He leaves. It is intimated that this guy is now going to be killed. For leaving the group
1: yeah he got real dark so for a so second. yeah
0: that's the pressure that this uh that this guy has who's who's liaising with atherton is that he's like if i don't get this done i and everyone i know might be killed mm-hmm. so he's the one applying pressure to atherton atherton has been working for several years with chris val kilmer's mm-hmm. character But they've hit speed bumps in creating this high powered laser. And so Atherton, it kind of sounds like he is like attending high school science fairs, trying to find an actual like genius level Mm -hmm. prodigy Mm -hmm. that he can recruit, bring into the campus, and try to get this thing done in time. And so that's how we meet Mitch, who. Like, amongst all of these people with, like, the, the volcano blowing up with baking soda, he has, like, some laser array mm-hmm. set up at their science fair when Atherton shows up. That's uh,
1: a great way of explaining yeah. that segue. <laughs> <laughs> good job. Um, yeah. And And honestly, like, from there, we have, what, a good at least a half hour of...
0: It's all about Mitch.
1: Yeah, just, like I said, him trying to find his way in this school, and, you know, he's very straight-laced. He wears... I was saying while we were watching him, like, he's kind of like Alex P. Keaton in, in terms of, like, he wears a suit and tie everywhere he goes. I mean, he's not doing himself any favors in terms of, like, making friends and that sort of thing. Like, he's not a bad kid by any means, but he just isn't lending himself to kind of the social atmosphere he's not picking up on the social cues i guess you would say
0: no he's um, like the stereotypical like genius level nerdy guy who can't relate yeah. it's there it, look i would rather watch this movie every day of the week over big bang theory sorry scandalous but, yeah but it kind of gives me like vibes of of that show yeah. where
1: i mean what i found though, and you brought this up a little bit earlier we didn't really go into it but i think one of the things i was most shocked by with this film because i was like there's just no way that like this seems so outlandish like everything about the film seems just like it's out
0: there plausible yeah it's wild
1: and so that's why when i was kind of doing a little bit of digging i know we're kind of jumping on this a little bit earlier than we typically do but i feel like it it works for for right now it actually is largely the story is largely based on kind of real things that have happened at some of these schools that, that the story is modeled on.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically Caltech. Yes. But, but, so yeah. they call it mm-hmm. Pacific Tech. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Mitch is successfully recruited, makes it to Pacific – I'm doing air quotes – Pacific Tech, mm-hmm. where he meets Kent – The student villain. We have Atherton, our professor Mm -hmm. villain.
1: Hathaway. Hathaway. Um, Yeah, yeah.
0: What's who's Atherton? Is that his real name? That's
1: his real name. Okay. Oh god, I
0: thought I just spun (laughs) that out of thin air. No, no, no. It's cool. It's cool. So we have Hathaway Atherton, and. Sure, and, and we have Kent, who is basically like his student. Oh, he's Odie. awful,
1: man! They really crafted some very unlikable characters in this film. Yeah,
0: I don't know why they had the one student who had this like inexplicable stuttering problem. That in like one scene, Hathaway references that he fixed his stuttering, and then another scene he kind of has it again. They never really make much out of it it was just weird that they had that in there but it's a
1: lot of weird in this film
0: but that those are some of the things that happen when mitch first encounters kent and the other like lackeys i guess mm-hmm. where he's meant to feel like he's the food he they they called him doordash they did they didn't really call oh, him doordash because it didn't exist Yeah, they thought that was he was like, just a
1: deli- delivery boy yeah don't yeah. you have the
0: sandwiches then what yeah. are you doing here and turns out he's there to check all their work yeah and it turns out like these kids don't like that
1: yes it's a, it's a very kind of classic dynamic where it's like this young upstart and yeah. then so to speak kind of kind of like i wouldn't say he's like the big man on campus but he he, he definitely has, he is he he thinks he is yeah and i kind of understand i mean hathaway doesn't again do mitch any favors because he doesn't even formally introduce him to this group he doesn't try to like massage. The, Hathaway
0: doesn't have any time for that. He, he
1: doesn't care. He really he's got to get a yeah. laser
0: belter. He's dead.
1: Exactly. So, I, I feel bad for Mitch because he was never going to win. He was never going to befriend these people, given the situation that Hathaway threw him into. Yeah. Um, But Kent, he's... And th- those teeth, man. Those... I could not get... It. I've never seen anybody... like They were meant to be braces, but they just look like silver-covered teeth. I mean, it's awful.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think they were intended to be... I. I I don't know if they were real or probably not, but they were. I think they you wanted they wanted you to notice them because they were oh, important sure. later in yeah. the movie. Yeah. Um,
1: but what I wanted to say, as far as like, so you're right uh, that the story is inspired by and loosely based on Keltech and Pasadena. Yeah. But then also some of the like really crazy stuff that the other students do. So here's the thing that really surprised me is that. Mitch is this very focused young man who wants to impress Hathaway. And, and he also just enjoys the work. He he wants to be doing all this work. Yeah. Whereas all these other geniuses at the school, it seems like all they do is party. And, <laughs> and
0: yeah, like, it does. Yeah. It seems like with a few exceptions, they're not actually doing any schoolwork. It's yeah.
1: Which when I, again, when I was reading like some of the funny things that you see in the film. Like, for instance, they manage to create kind of this uh, tobogganing.
0: Oh, yeah. they No, they create uh, a level of ice. In the movie, mm-hmm. they create, and this is um, actually pretty close to the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. when I think it's, it's shortly after Mitch first meets Chris, uh, Val Kilmer, and the floors are frozen mm-hmm. and Val Kilmer has ice skates on and he's pirouetting around when Kent shows up and is... Pissed because he wants to study. What a dick.
1: But everybody else is also having fun. Yeah, they're all having fun. And that's based on like a real
0: event that happened.
1: And like what I noticed is that in reading about this, so they also kind of pulled some of these stories from other really kind of high end schools. I don't even know if you would say it that way, but like MIT, Cambridge University. Yeah. So these places where it really flipped on its head, for me at least, the perception of what these schools would be like and hearing that some of these things really did happen was shocking to me and another thing I read which I thought was so interesting is that I guess the costume designer went on campus to some of these schools and what you see in the film is that in like Belle Kilmer he kind of he definitely has a style his
0: and... introduction in the movie is him at what is A job interview, but in the loosest sense of that term, because he already knows that he has the job. So he's wearing a shirt that says, I love toxic waste, and then wearing some like little springy antenna thing on his head.
1: Yeah. So he has a really unique style, but kind of all the kids, well, even Mitch, but in an opposite end of the spectrum, have these styles. And I guess that also was mimicking kind Mm. of, and what I read is that these kids were so distracted by just like their studies and whatever they just literally didn't care what they wore and i saw a quote from the costume designer saying like do these kids dress in the dark because (laughs) they that that's exactly how they were so i found that all really fascinating
0: yeah i we've we've done this a few times now and we've looked at the trivia and the trivia that we find on most of these titles will be like a blurb here or there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the trivia for a Real Genius oh, I, is a is a damn paragraph yeah. for everyone explaining the logistics and physics of all the different really pranks. doesn't
1: translate I think very well via podcast. It, it, like, yeah. it doesn't. It yeah. doesn't. Um,
0: but I think all of the all of the stories themselves or the trivia doesn't none of those collectively translate well to a podcast, but I think it's interesting that so much of the ridiculous things you see happen in the movie like there's a point when uh during one of the first montages actually the first montage Mm -hmm. about half an hour in Mm -hmm. when it's uh mitch's adventure in in college basically Mm -hmm. so it's him going to classes and stuff and in one of the classes one of the lecture halls you see um a few people with with boom boxes basically to record the professor Mm -hmm. and eventually i think towards the end of the montage it's the professor leaving a boombox playing the lecture mm-hmm. with other boomboxes recording it. Mm-hmm. And that actually happened.
1: Yeah, I found, I did find that really fascinating. And I've never been more surprised. Yeah. That that was pulled from real life because it seems so absurd. So I thought that was really cool personally.
0: I think if they captured some of these weird antics, I think they probably did a less accurate job of capturing like the personalities and dialogue. Mm hmm. Because what's um, Mitch's romantic interest? Jordan. Jordan Jordan is introduced also in The Winter Paradise as she has a bobsled going down the stairs and Mm -hmm. sliding through. And, well, what's your opinion of Jordan's character?
1: So my opinion of Jordan's character is probably really similar to my opinion of Lex Luthor in the new... Batman versus Superman mm-hmm, mm-hmm. movies, and in my my response to so, um, what's his name, uh, Eisenberg?
0: Oh yeah, Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse
1: Eisenberg. I respect an actor's choices and in, in the roles that they take on, but I think sometimes it's not the right choice. And she
0: brought the energy. She like, brought
1: the energy. I give her that it's, much credit is, because that can't be easy. They, you know, I'll say this much though. Would you agree that? That those like quirks, I'll put it that way, the quirks that she had kind of ease up as the film goes on. They do.
0: It's like a caricature of like, I I don't even know how to describe it. She I think she does say that she never sleeps. Right. And she's just like this manic personality who talks like a 100,000 miles Mm -hmm. a minute. And within the first 30 seconds of her being introduced in the movie, I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then you realize, oh, my God, she's going to be in this whole thing. She's a big character. (laughs) Yeah. yeah.
1: So I'm so grateful that they kind of eased up on those aspects of her personality because it's just not sustainable. Like, she's just, when you first meet her, like, I think you're supposed to like her. I mean, she's going to be Mitch's love interest, and she is really hard to take in more than, like, 10-second doses. Is
0: it possible that some of the social awkwardness was just part of meeting this newer group of people and once that like social group had kind of solidified a little bit more she had relaxed or is it possible that i'm reading into it a little bit too much and someone said like you need to tone it down you're
1: doing a Deep dive into yeah. <laughs> the the psychological the psyche of Jordan. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't know what to say there. I mean, because here's the thing. Again, most of the time films are not shot in chronological order. But if there was anything yeah. to them in this film, and they're seeing the dailies, and they're like, "Whoa, boy," yeah. <laughs> then that could have been the reason why she becomes more tolerable as the film goes on. I don't know. I don't know. But um, and actually speaking of Jordan, so the actress, she kind of had her heyday it seems in the 80s and then she I don't know she just decided to go in a different direction so her name is Michelle mayrink but uh of her other work she was in the outsiders she also was in valley girl
0: so huh. another really connection. okay yeah yeah did you connection. recognize her
1: I did not okay no I did not recognize her and Revenge of the nerds
0: the original revenge of the, nerds. the ri- yeah that's interesting yeah. okay well that so... I think is also on the list so well uh We'll find out more about yeah. that.
1: Yeah, So just wanted to give her props. And and again, like, it's hard to say. Usually those kinds of decisions are made between an actor and a director. Coolidge obviously must have been fine with it. She's far more successful as a director than I will ever be. So, like, you know, it, it just is it, as an audience member, as somebody viewing the film, I had a hard time with her.
0: She was a lot to take in. Yeah. Thankfully, she was probably the peak of that type of character there was no one else who was quite that that manic although Val Kilmer gets a little close he gets close
1: I mean I would say ostensibly he's in some ways the most normal of all the all the
0: student characters he is in kind of like a Ryan Reynolds Van Wilder kind of way almost where he makes it very clear that he is Super smart, but also just too cool to waste time on yeah. being smart because he wants to have fun.
1: The one thing I can appreciate is this. So I think in some ways, I don't know if now I'm going and doing a deep dive here. Oh, let's but do it. I think the film might be a little bit ahead of its time in terms of showing acceptance for people who maybe are socially awkward. And okay. don't fit into a normal construct of you know how you are social and. Uh, now with I know. People. Now
0: I know why I like this movie so much. Grown up.
1: <laughs> so I I think that that's awesome because one thing that they didn't do in this film is try to change those characters. I think that they all had growth, including Laszlo. I don't think they. I don't think there was ever a point where the other characters were trying to change Laszlo, and just you know you mentioned him earlier on. He's. He's basically uh, the way that Chris describes him is that he's smarter than him and Mitch put together. Yes, and that he was kind of the big guy on campus in the '70s, but because he was so focused on his work, he kind of cracked, and so that's why he all of a sudden becomes this hermit that lives in. Yeah, you know where where does he live again? Underneath like he in lives in
0: a in a steam like boiler steam room, steam tunnels, yeah. or something like that. And so that actually comes up when. Uh, you know, Mitch kind of gets led—not really astray, but but um, Chris Val Kilmer takes him under his wing and tries to get him to enjoy his time in mm-hmm. college and brings him to a party. The party's broken up. Mitch feels awful. He tries to call his parents to get yeah back home. because yeah. he's
1: fifteen. Let's keep in mind he's this, a fifteen-year-old. Yeah.
0: He's yeah. a kid. The fact that he's fifteen is definitely going to come up because I like his romantic interest with college students it's problematic I mean not for him as much as it is for <laughs> for Jordan but he he feels bad he calls home it's kind of an embarrassing call Kent records it plays it during the next day's like lunch like a cafeteria yeah and humiliates him and so while he while Mitch is contemplating leaving school Chris has a kind of a sit down more serious there are a few moments that aren't just Chris acting crazy mm-hmm And he was telling him, look, I was you when I Mm -hmm. first started. I was all straight-laced and wearing the suit coat and carrying a briefcase. And then I met this guy, Laszlo, who lost his mind, is now living in in the steam room. Mm -hmm. And that's where you're going to end up if you don't find a way to... Basically, it was about achieving some sort of balance in life. And I thought that was kind of more ahead of its time as well.
1: Yeah, very much agree with that.
0: So that and the other part of what you had mentioned that I wanted to reach back and talk about is not necessarily changing these characters and in contrast to a movie like revenge of the nerds where it's like these nerdy kids who are smart and they have to somehow change Mm -hmm. to fit in and be cool Mm -hmm. all of these kids at pacific tech are very secure about like Mm -hmm. who they are and how they act like they have they don't really give a shit that they Mm -hmm. might be like nerdy or or looked down upon by the cool kids because they know that they're basically smarter than everyone. Yeah. So I kind of appreciated that they were just, although they were in some cases incredibly annoying, mm-hmm. they were just like they were just themselves.
1: Yeah. yeah. As much as I'm gonna like rag on all the antics of Jordan, I mean, she she just was who she was. Yeah. And I can appreciate that. So, uh, let's see. Okay. So we've okay. So here's the thing. We've talked at length now about Mitch and Mitch, him, Mitch and kind of his acclamation. You brought up kind of the, the big central crisis for him, which is that he has this phone call of his recorded and, and everybody hears it. So after Chris talks him off the ledge and says, like, you're going to be fine. Let's get some revenge on Kent. Yeah. Um, they do so, but then... That's, I think, where the shift happens in the story. Would would you agree? Because that's when Hathaway...
0: That's when things really start getting moving. Because we've known Mm -hmm. throughout the movie that, that really underlying everything is this desire for the military to get this laser from Hathaway. And that's the source of the pressure, unbeknownst to Val Kilmer's character. They have to... Uh, create this high-powered laser laser. they don't know why that kind of gets like picked up after Mitch decides to stay because Mm -hmm. they actually start making some progress on Mm -hmm. that Um, actually the the prank that they pull on Kent to get back was another actual real prank where they disassemble his vehicle and leave it in his dorm running
1: yeah that, that I read that too that was amazing
0: so they they get moving I think the, the interesting thing is that once Mitch decides to commit and knows he's not going to leave, I think that's when Hathaway tells Val Kilmer's yes. character, you're done.
1: Exactly. Like, yeah.
0: even if you pass, you fail. Yeah. So, so it goes from one to the other with these two scenarios.
1: And that's something that uh, I remember bringing up when we were watching this. I think it's interesting how now they're, now I'm like counting off the number of films where it's high schoolers or college kids who are kind of in this battle with like bad uh, teachers or professors or higher ups in higher education and this made me think of a similar scenario in old school Uh, yeah old school yeah yeah old school Um, animal house yeah Uh, didn't I mentioned another one I just thought that was kind of interesting and so essentially same thing here Hathaway has seemingly all the power and even though chris has been doing this incredible work for him for several years and there's no reason to not pass him he's he's just going to kind of arbitrarily ruin his life he's sick
0: of his uh basically because four years ago he was mitch and he was highly motivated and now he's You know, like he doesn't know that that lives could be on the line with it. He thinks that he's just been trying to solve this problem for years, and he's kind of over it, and he's ready to graduate and just get paid. Mm -hmm. And um, did I call him Atherton again? Hathaway, Hatherton,
1: Hatherton. (laughs) Uh, Yes. So, so then moving on, if you want to kind of explain how, kind of last third, last act of the film.
0: Yeah, so Mitch, I think, has a little bit of a of not necessarily a breakthrough, breakthrough, mm-hmm. but things are progressing and they're getting ready for their uh, finals. And because Mitch has convinced uh, Chris to look, you, you got to stick with it, you got to take the final no matter what. Like you got to finish this way. Yeah, like they
1: they're, It's a really nice friendship between them. Yeah,
0: we're going to finish this. They're, they're
1: really supportive of each other,
0: and so. They're working on the laser. Kent is in the lab with them. And when they go... He's such a douche. He stays behind. And, you know, Chris says something about, like, are are you coming? And he says, yeah, I just need to head to the bathroom first. And I think Chris's response is, is that really going to be the best thing for your confidence? I appreciated that joke. It was funny. (laughs) It was a good joke. Yeah, it was fine. (laughs) Um, So what he does is he gets some oil on his hand and smears it over one of the... um, uh, lens. Lenses, yeah, mm-hmm. for the for the laser. Val Kilmer aces the test. He actually writes in a note like, "I ace this." Mm-hmm. Uh, Hatherton throws his test away, throws the apple away that he left, which turned out to be an explosive, which would have gotten him expelled. Um, <laughs> in any case, he gets back to the lab. He's right back from the test. He immediately powers the laser back up, and the uh, blurry optics. Caused the entire thing to melt so, yeah. down, so he's mm-hmm. he's lost everything. Mm-hmm. All of the work that he's been putting into it is destroyed. Um, I'm not. So he he kind of flips out in like a common area where there's a freezer, yeah, and uh, like a cylinder of frozen CO2. I think mm-hmm. falls out. Liquid he, nitrogen. Is, is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he he finds that and offers some real thorough scientific sounding explanation of how he has now thought of, uh, the actual power source for the laser. Yeah. yeah. And it's pretty exciting. <laughs> Everyone is really amped up for this. He even goes back to Hatherton's house and tells him
1: Hathaway. away.
0: Yeah, I know I'm doing it on purpose now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he, uh, he tells him that he did it and you actually hear that in the trailer. Like I've, I've done it or mm-hmm. you did it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they run a test sample and it blows like a laser, I think, three times around the planet Earth.
1: Yeah. I mean he creates the, the death beam. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like what the Death Star uses when it destroys a planet. Yeah.
0: The only thing it was missing was like
1: Exactly Noise. But other than that, it was it was
0: yeah, amazing. Not bad special effects for eighty five in a comedy featuring Val pretty, Kilmer. Yeah,
1: pretty good. Pretty yeah. good.
0: So it's immediately stolen. Mm-hmm that that much is true.
1: Well, essentially Hathaway is like you did it. The kids don't they like go out to celebrate. They go get a burger. Like cuz they keep seeing where this laser has They follow
0: the laser yeah. to some burger place mm-hmm. where the um yeah, the image of the burger on the billboard is now just like a ring of fire. So they're like, yeah, let's go here.
1: And then while that's happening they kind of have a realization.
0: Laszlo shows up. Yeah. Who had been helping them a little bit throughout this process mm-hmm. or listening, because that's what creepy guys living in the steam room do. He comes in and asks, oh, OK, so you built this like basically you built the Death Star. Mm-hmm. What do you use the Death Star for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What other application could it have aside from military exactly and
1: uh, and so Chris runs back to the lab he's
0: super bummed
1: and that's when he realizes that all the equipment's been taken because Hathaway has now brought it over to the US military
0: and he also realizes that Kent had been working on a tracking system and mirror excuse me which used in connection with the laser would allow it to be used from orbit and just blast away targets indiscriminately
1: so yeah pretty heavy stuff
0: this movie's
1: it's all over hilarious. The place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so now we're down to the, like the final conflict or whatever, the res- like the final climax. You and
0: think you're just watching a college comedy kind of yeah. and suddenly it's guys breaking onto an air force base exactly. and and like possibly facing death. Yeah. You know? Maybe.
1: Well, also, it it's interesting how they have this like dual setup because Chris and Mitch, yeah, like you said, they make it onto the military base.
0: Yeah, I think his name, what, what was Chris's? No, Mitch's name was like Giuseppe or something <laughs> with a mustache. Yeah, I don't know. He it was had weird. A great mustache. Yeah.
1: Great disguise. Uh, so they make it onto the military base, but then also as kind of like essentially like a fuck you to Hathaway, they also set up this amazing prank inside yeah. of his house uh, because he. Was it that the house was just built, or he just has a... He loves he's, his house. He... He's getting
0: this house built throughout yeah. the movie. I mean, and the, as the movie opens, it's several workers working on various facets of the house. This uh, Was it a Great Dane that keeps on yeah. showing up at the house? Well... he's keeps...
1: I don't think it was Great Dane.
0: This big dog keeps on showing yeah, up at yeah. the house and Hathaway keeps telling the dog to go away like over and over again. I don't know. I don't understand that running joke, but it happens. Which,
1: if you didn't hate him for any other reason, the fact that he doesn't like dogs. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, okay. So, Chris, Mitch, and Laszlo are all working together now. And they, Jordan. And Jordan and some other guy whose name I cannot remember.
1: Um. Well, there's... But... A guy named yeah. Benton, or Fenton. I don't think he talks in the entire film. I think he
0: just screams at one point he's always, when, while he's studying. He's always like kind of
1: there. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: so they work with each other to drug Kent. They install a device in his braces to make him believe that he's hearing not the voice of God, but the voice of Jesus, Jesus. who then compels Kent to give up the goods on what all of this equipment is going to be used for and where they might be able to go to stop it. They do go to the military base, which has really lax security protocol, by the way, allowing them to not only get on the base, but into this, like, secret laser bomber. Relatively easy for them. Yeah, it didn't seem like a problem at all. They go in and set up a, a connection with Laszlo from the plane um basically setting up a hotspot in nineteen eighty five, which <laughs> works surprisingly well, and reset all of the latitude longitude coordinates so that while the test was supposedly going to involve what seemed to look like a recreation of the JFK assassination. Yeah,
1: very bizarre. Yeah.
0: You see all these limos lined up and I'm like, huh. All that these looks, black
1: cars. Yeah. It single was file.
0: Really weird. But they they alter the coordinates so that the laser in fact cuts Hatherton's Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm.
0: house in half Mm -hmm. while also setting off the largest container of Jiffy pop that you've ever seen in your life while also using the voice of Jesus to get Kent at the front door of the house at the moment the popcorn's ignited.
1: It's a pretty amazing plan. There's a
0: lot going, a lot of moving pieces. All
1: came together. Uh, Yeah. And that was another thing that, I mean, I can't say that this was a prank that was based off of something that they, again, pulled from real life. But the prank in the movie was real. Like, that was real popcorn. It was. Real popcorn.
0: But the real popcorn was also treated with um, uh, chemicals to keep it from igniting on fire. I guess that's good. Yeah, which is good, but then they had a big problem because birds kept trying to come in and eat the popcorn. That's right. And they had to they shoo the wanna, birds off because yeah. it would have killed all exactly, of the wildlife. Exactly, so.
1: But this popcorn, so no joke, it fills the entire house. They used a real home. And mm. because of the amount of popcorn and the like energy that it created and popping, it literally did pop the roof off of the house. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, so props to the crew for making that happen um i thought that was pretty
0: impressive i yeah i didn't think that was actually a real house that was cool the only the only problem i guess with their plan was that kent was told by jesus not to go in the house And he did it anyway. And he looks up at the sky and and says, Jesus, if you're not going to respond to me, I'm just going to walk in. And of course, (laughs) he doesn't because they have other things that they're working on at the moment. I was
1: actually quite worried about him for a minute because the popcorn is popping and he is like kind of like deliriously...
0: He's nuts at that point. Yeah,
1: yeah. he's kind of lost his mind. But I mean, you could could legitimately suffocate.
0: It reminded me of uh, the scene from Witness...
1: Oh, okay. Where the guy
0: is uh, smothered in a silo.
1: It reminded me of, gosh, what was this? Uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3?
0: Oh, with the Sandman? Yes, is that? with yeah. the Sandman.
1: That's what <laughs> it reminded me of. So, so, yeah, and that is how Real Genius ends.
0: It ends... To this tune of Tears Tears for for Fears. fears.
1: That was one of the things I was most impressed by in this film. And actually, going back to the montages in this film. Yeah. That first one that you talked about when Mitch is, you know, finding his way in school. So that is uh, playing to the song of I'm Falling by the ComSat Angels. Yeah. Never heard of them. Great song.
0: It's not. Look, the montages in this movie Make me kind of wish that the entire movie was just one long montage because they were great. Yeah. Yeah.
1: A little bit on the long side, but they, you know, like you were saying for this first one where it's really about Mitch, it moves the story along. The second one that is mostly about Chris, same thing. Yeah. It kind of gets us through a certain time period that they have to. And throughout all of them, like, I thought the soundtrack was, like, really, really well done.
0: It's solidly Um, 80s.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then to have this film end with Tears for Fears, I was like, holy cow, that's...
0: It's kind of surprising.
1: Surprising? Yeah. And I will say that, like, I didn't know if... Like, look, I love Tears for Fears. I don't know if that particular song, like, was in the tone of this film. It's, like, a little bit more serious than...
0: It was kind of like... um, Hathaway's swan song like here's this song for you you wanted to rule the world it's very like literal
1: (laughs) yeah it was a little on the nose and I'm sure that's why they picked it but um (laughs) anyway overall very impressed by the soundtrack
0: yeah and then also at the end we don't want to forget about Laszlo who throughout the course of the movie uh Mitch actually kind of sneaks down and initially sees him printing out you know a, a ton of stuff we're not really sure what it is turns out he was uh printing and preparing to send out uh entries into a frito Lay sweepstakes which said enter as often as you like, so he did. And I think he won maybe I think in the movie it says like he third. won a third yeah. of the uh of the prizes. Which again is based on like actual events. Is it? Yeah. That's some amazing. some students calculated their odds, entered. Uh they won they didn't win win as many, but they did win like a station wagon, a bunch of other prizes. Cool. So yeah, I am. Uh, yeah.
1: I am fascinated by all these things that they pulled from yeah. real life. But more power to them. So, fun facts. Wait on me. We've we've talked about a lot of them. I mean, honestly, the
0: they're no biggest, less fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, the biggest ones were the fact that, as we were just saying, so much of this was based on real thing. The antics, not necessarily the laser used for military purposes but uh i mentioned this and we missed this so we're gonna have to go back to this go back to the tape but tom hanks is an extra
0: he is yeah we will need to rewatch and find him because i I,
1: one of those like blinking you miss it type moments but apparently mitch bumps into him in a crowd at approximately 11 minutes and 54 seconds into the film we'll
0: have to fact check this
1: yeah go check on that for us guys before
0: it's a fun fact we have to make sure it's an actual fact
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's real. Could be a a hoax. Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) here is my maybe most favorite fun fact of like any film that we've talked about so far. Okay. So I don't know if you noticed this, but Val Kilmer has like a hand trick that he has worked into several of his films. And I think it starts with Real Genius. In that first montage when he is, like, sitting at his desk in a class, he has the ability to roll uh, coins down his fingers. Oh. And so he does that in that montage. There's another moment later in the film where he very smoothly kind of uh, flips around a wrench in his hand. And so he has carried that on with him because... So he does that with the coins in Roll Genius. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, he's the most amazing Doc Holliday. You probably know that... coin roll down the fingers more from that film yeah because that's highlighted and then also in top gun Iceman, another role that i love him in he kind of does something similar with a pen when they're sitting outside i can and i can remember that the, yeah. yeah so he just has this thing that he can do and it's worked into a lot of of his films and i think that's really cool
0: huh that is good does he do it and so how many of his films has he
1: those are the only three that I know for sure. I mean, I another film, honestly, right behind Doc Holliday, I absolutely adore him in the movie Heat yeah. by Michael Mann. I, I mean, like Thunderheart. He's Yeah, Thunderheart is good. Um, But I would, I mean, I only think so that once.
0: So but I have another fun fact. Sure. One of the professors who is kind of like, he, he's a professor who's, kind of going through like a fellow kids from reddit kind of phase where he'll say something and he's like the kids love it when i say this Oh, okay um he's he's like he seems genuinely like just a nerdy but brilliant guy sure turns out he is actually a physics professor at usc
1: oh that's cool yeah.
0: uh dr martin gunderson the that's math what, professor okay yeah
1: that's awesome i mean I still love my Val Kilmer. Fun fact.
0: (laughs) Your fun fact is funner. It's definitely a lot funner.
1: I was very proud of that one, Um, but that's that's kind of that's kind of all I got because we talked about it a lot
0: already. We have talked about quite a bit. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I think I think look, I think we're good on Real Genius. I think we've covered. I think
1: we have very comprehensively. We've
0: honestly covered more than I thought we could possibly cover for this movie.
1: (laughs) So okay, so let's uh, wrap up with some of our questions. I will pose this to you first. Okay. Would you watch this film again?
0: I probably would. Um, Especially like the the second half of the movie Mm -hmm. is a little bit more like fun. There's a little bit more going on. I think the beginning of it in particular is, it's strange to say it's like build up, but it's Mm -hmm. like them kind of like laying down the groundwork for what's going to happen later on in the movie. So I, I would definitely watch it again. It's just one of those like stupid comfort film type movies for me.
1: That's what I was just going to say. I don't think this, is, this could possibly be a film where I just sit down <laughs> and watch it, watch it again. But if I was like cleaning the house or something <laughs> like that, because you're right, I was thinking about that last night. I think that films like this where on the surface you're like, oh, this is just like so dumb and, and ridiculous and absurd. I don't think these films actually get enough credit because sometimes that's exactly what you need. And, you know, at the top of the episode, we talked about how obviously right now um, there's a lot going on in the world and, you know, it could provoke a lot of different emotions in people, um, anxiety and fear and that sort of thing. And I think that these films do so much in times like this to help you forget for a couple hours and put a smile on your face and... I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that you love a totally absurd, silly film like this.
0: Oh, it is absurd. And I do love it.
1: So, And that's the reason why I love comedies. I think that just as a whole, again, I could go down a whole rabbit hole with this, but comedies in general don't get enough credit because they can bring so much joy to a person's life, especially in times where you know, things are kind of tough for people. And so, yeah, while this isn't a film that I'm going to, like, sit down and watch, I can appreciate it. And I think that it certainly has a place. And I I think that's great. I think that there's room for all kinds of films. And and this definitely deserves a place in terms of, you know, bringing joy in that way to people.
0: I think we can all agree that it deserves its rightful place in cinematic history. (laughs)
1: Sure, and, and all of the
0: accolades <laughs> that 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 would bring. bring about, yeah. Okay. So I have a a small call to action.
1: Oh, okay. Related yeah, to this yeah. movie. Sure.
0: What and and trying to keep it like not too crazy, uh-huh. but what's the uh, the best prank that that you've ever either like seen or witnessed or been part of when you were in school?
1: That's so crazy because that's what I was gonna say. Wow, we, we didn't action. plan this. That's we amazing. Totally didn't plan this. <laughs> Totally didn't plan this. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think. Did you have anything fun that... I mean, I kind of feel like you have stories. I was more boring as a kid.
0: I mean, there were... There were there were pranks i don't you don't I want don't,
1: to self-incriminate I, I, yeah i don't
0: want to bring any of them up right now but sure. i mean yeah some of them involved yeah no i'm not going to go there
1: <laughs> okay okay fair enough <laughs> but sure for everybody out there if there is a fun prank that uh you would like to share with us we'd love to hear it you can find us on facebook twitter instagram it's the same handle for all three it's at 80s montage pod 80S montage pod and yeah so that's it um what's now, up next a favorite my pick okay dirty dancing oh shit i carried a watermelon
0: yeah this is okay
1: this is a biggie yeah this is a biggie for sure Um really excited about it and, and i think
0: we are gonna have a, a guest for this we are going upcoming to one,
1: self-proclaimed and i would agree with this proclamation super fan dirty dancing super fan yeah yeah so it's gonna be good she's gonna she's gonna have some fun stuff to talk about
0: i'm very much looking forward to that
1: me too okay (laughs) (laughs) thanks for joining us everybody and again uh we really appreciate you hanging with us please again stay safe and healthy and sane during this time and we'll see you in a all right. Talk to you. All right.
0: Adios, bye. Bye.
1: bye.